you know, your very beautiful story also reminds us that I think if you hadn't been honest with God, those, those experiences in prayer would have been harder to come by because, you know, you had sort of, you had, you were honest, you were, you had sort of broken through that. And look, if you had said to yourself, I can't get angry at God, I can't be upset, you know, and people will tell you these sort of well-meaning things mm -hmm. like, you know, oh, um, you know, it's all part of God's plan or, and if you sort of frustrate that and aren't honest, it's harder to receive those other um, sort of uh, ways that God has of communicating with you. In other words, if you hadn't have expressed that, it would have really been a block in the relationship. And That's you might true. have really not been open because you might have thought, you know, I'm still angry at God. And why do I want to have some vision from a God who's punished me? Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn. I'm your host. And this is episode number 145, and it's my conversation with the one and the only repeat guest. Uh, we'll call him the the resident priest of the What If Project podcast, Father James Martin, uh, who wrote a brand new book called uh, Learning to Pray. I love this book. I've read a lot of books on prayer. Uh, I grew up in a Christian school. I went to Bible college. I went to seminary. I pastored a church. I went to seminary again. Um, I went to do other things. I went to seminary again. I've read a lot of books about prayer in my time, but this book was really good. It's really applicable. And not a lot of books are. Like a lot of times you read a book on prayer, and I mentioned this to James in the episode, but a lot of times you read a book on prayer. And you get to the end and you're like, okay, that's good. But like, now what? Like, what, what do I do with this? How do, how do I make this work in my particular life, in my particular area, in my particular place, in my particular journey with God? Like, what does this look like for me? And James, I love it because he goes through his life and he kind of shares with you different principles of what he's learned as a child, as an adult, as a priest. He says, this is what I've learned about God. This is what I learned about prayer. Here's how you can take this and apply it to your life. So it's a very applicable book, super good tool for you to have in your tool belt. So hit pause, head over to Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, wherever it is you buy your books, and uh, pick this up because you definitely won't be, won't be sorry. I'll put the link to it in the show notes. Also in the show notes, you'll see links to Patreon, patreon.com, and uh, buymeacoffee.com, two places to go to support the show uh, financially. Patreon is kind of like a monthly giving. You sign up for a tier. Uh, you give a certain amount every month. Buy me a coffee is like a one-time contribution. Maybe you like the episode, you like a blog post, whatever. You want to throw five bucks, ten bucks, fifty bucks, whatever. You could do that there. Uh, so Patreon and Buy Me a Coffee. Also in there is the uh, Heretic Shop, where you can go to buy some T-shirts, hoodies, hats, backpacks, sweatpants, all the different things, blankets. Uh, I'll put the link to that in the show notes 
as well, uh, the Heretic Shop. Special music today is by my friend Before Jane. I've known this guy since he was a kid. Uh, he's all grown up now, and he's using his gifts, his creative gifts, in uh, very unique ways. I love his music. I love his spirit. I love his heart. He's putting out some good vibes into the universe, and we're all about good vibes here at the What If Project. So I'll put his links in the show notes, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, all the places. Uh, go download his music. Leave him a good rating. Leave him a good review. Pass this stuff around to your friends and uh, show him some, some love. But all of that to say, my friends, uh, again, this is episode number 145. And it's my conversation with the one and the only, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, the legend, the resident priest of the What If Project podcast, Father James Martin. Enjoy. How many times will I go around the circle? And how many times will I go around the spiral? And how many times will you be at the end of it? Or the end of Because every time I think of you, I close my eyes and I picture you. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're sitting down with my friend, Father James Martin, who is a repeat guest who was on the show this past summer. And today he's dropping by again to talk to us about his newest book, uh, Learning to Pray, A Guide for Everyone. So James, welcome back to the podcast. It's always good to hear your voice. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So you wrote this book on prayer. And I guess my first question would be, why prayer? Like what, what made you want to tackle a book on prayer, especially when there's so many books out there? What makes your book unique? Well, I had written a book called The Jesuit Guide to Almost Everything, which was about Jesuit spirituality. Almost everything, not everything. Almost everything. Yeah, someone told me to put the almost in. Um, (laughs) And uh, it touched on prayer, uh, Mm -hmm. but I could only really talk about it uh, a little bit. And I I really felt that there was a need for a book like this because, well, for two reasons. One, most people think, even devout Christians think that they're praying wrong or that everybody else's prayer is better than theirs. Mm-hmm. Right. And that they're the only ones that sit down and, you know, they close their eyes and they feel like nothing happens. Yep. Uh, and the second main reason is people generally don't know what to expect when they pray. And mm-hmm. so many books, I mean, as you say, there are a lot of great uh, spirituality books and books on prayer, but they're very vague on actually what happens. So they talk yep. about, you know, when you feel God's presence or when God is close to you, or, you know, God is inviting you to do this. And a lot of people say, what does that mean? Like, what are you talking about? Like when Mm -hmm. I close my eyes and people have said this to me, am I supposed to hear voices or see visions or so it's basically kind of demystifying in a good way, you know, what actually, you know, as I say in the book uh, happens when you close your eyes. Well, it's a, it's a wonderful book. And uh, for our listeners, it's not, I said this James before, it's not a complicated book. And I mean that in the best of ways, like there's no deep theological ideas that are way over our heads, but it's very down to earth. And I love how in every chapter you kind of provide a number of Uh, like ideas to help people apply the things you're talking about. Like it's very applicable because sometimes you'll read a book on prayer and it's all head stuff and it's a lot of great theoretical ideas, but it's totally unrelatable and kind of pointless to the average person. So I really appreciate that. 
Yeah, thanks. And, you know, when I was a, a young Jesuit at age, you know, 27, I guess, when I entered, I didn't know any of this stuff. And mm -hmm. and I read books like that, like the kind you're describing, and they drove me crazy. Right? Yes. I mean, you know, it's, they're kind of like aspirational books, like, you know, we should spend time in God in order to deepen our relationship with God, which is true, right? But yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. Like for a person who, you know, like me at age 27, would go into his room and sit down and close his eyes and then say, well, like now what? Mm. Right. I'm, I, I want to be close to God and I want to have that relationship, but what, what's supposed to happen? So I was really, I'm, I'm glad you find it inviting and accessible. That that's what I try to do to sort of really be blunt and say what, what happens, what can happen, what happens when these, you know, things you might not expect to happen and, and so on. Yeah. And what I appreciate is that, like I said, every chapter has different ways to apply it, but it works because everybody's life is different. So I feel like everybody applies different principles of prayer to their life in different ways, depending on kind of what season of life that they're in. So I think that's really, really good. Yeah. And, you know, people pray in different light ways. They like to pray in different ways. There's yeah. no right way or wrong way to pray, whatever gets you closer to God. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and as you say, I mean, it, it changes as you age and it sometimes changes from day to day. Right. You know, sometimes you want a quieter <laughs> kind of prayer. Sometimes yeah. you want a more sort of content heavy prayer. So, yeah, you have to be flexible with it. And depending on the day, it can look different all throughout the day, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's right. So in the process of writing this book, like the research, uh, time of contemplation that went into it, time of prayer, like thinking back over your life, what was the biggest revelation for you um, about prayer in the process of writing this book? Did you have any kind of like aha moment? That's interesting. I would say it's, it's going back to stuff that I learned when I was younger, uh, mm -hmm. which is that God can actually communicate with you through prayer and that you can yeah. be aware of it. You can know it. Um, you can, uh, you know, experience it and, and talk about it. And it's not some, you know, thing that happens only for the saints, right. Yes. Or only for, you know, supposedly holy people. And, you know, to, to use the, the image that I use throughout the book, which is from father Bill Barry, that God desires a relationship with you mm. and that that's part of the spiritual life. And, and that the desire that you have for God and to enter into relationship with God comes from God. Yeah. So that, that whole image of the relationship has always been really important to me. Yeah. I think that was a huge takeaway for me from the book is that like going through Bible college and seminary, you know, we were always taught obviously to pursue God, mm -hmm. but we sometimes forget that God is also pursuing us like the feeling is is mutual we don't just have a desire for god but god has a desire for us yeah and i always say you know where do you think the desire for god comes from yeah i mean it comes from god and that's right. one way that god has of drawing us closer and so once people take that seriously once they say you know oftentimes people come to me and say you know i really want to pray i really want to you know learn about this i you know i've heard about spirituality or i i see a person who's very spiritual or mm. i've read this book and I, I really desire this. And one of the first steps is to say to the person, well, where do you think that desire is coming from? Right. And when they realize or when they're able to accept the fact that it's God who's calling out to them, it makes them less, uh, it makes them more sure of themselves because they yeah. say, okay, I'm responding to a call, you know, an invitation, really. That's really good. One of my favorite parts of the book is about um, honesty in prayer. And I think mm -hmm. that this is so important because I know for me, uh, maybe not as much now, but definitely when I was younger, even as a pastor, I had a habit of telling God what I thought God wanted to hear, mm. or as a pastor, telling God what I thought other people wanted to hear mm -hmm. me tell God if I was praying out loud, like in front of a church or something. Mm -hmm. And like, it's so easy, I think as a pastor, and I'm sure for, for a priest or, or even someone who leads a, a Bible study or prayer meeting in church to feel like they need to almost like perform their prayers yeah. so much so that they forget to be like truly honest 
with God when they pray. So maybe talk to us about how honesty and prayer is a key for deepening one's relationship with, with God. Sure. Well, if you look at it as a relationship, right. Mm -hmm. And, and in the book, I say that a a relationship with a good friend is a good analogy. It's not the perfect analogy, but Mm. what happens when you say only the things you think you should say to your friend, right. Or Mm. to your loved one, well, the relationship gets cold. It gets very formal. It gets very distant. And, you know, certainly we need to be respectful and reverent of God in prayer, but Mm -hmm. we also need to be honest. um, Because if you are not honest with God in prayer, about, you know, for example, what your needs are or how you're Mm -hmm. feeling, then the relationship gets very cold and very distant and very formal. Um, You know, and I also point to, um, you know, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, you know, one of his most famous words are, you know, remove this cup from me. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's being honest. He's being honest with the Father in prayer. Or look at, you know, to take a kind of a a more lighthearted example, when Martha and Mary, right, are serving dinner to Jesus, what does Martha say to Jesus? She says, uh, tell her to help me right? Mm. I mean, she's, she's honest with <laughs> Jesus in prayer, yeah. or even when Jesus appears uh, at Lazarus's tomb, they both say, if you had been here, you know, my brother would not have died. They're, they're not saying what they, you know, they feel like they should say they're being honest with him. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's just part of the relationship and also God can hear it. Right. I, I, right. I often say also, if you're not honest with God in prayer about something that's big in your life and let's take the pandemic, right. Mm. Uh, I'm, I think by the time this uh, podcast comes out, I think we'll still be dealing with the pandemic. So, yeah. you know, a lot of people are really struggling and really need help to yeah. not ask for that is almost unnatural, mm. right? I mean, the relationship has to be more than just asking for things, but to not say I'm struggling or I'm sad or I need help is kind of unnatural. And so yeah. God wants us to be ourselves with God. And again, you know, God can handle, you know, whatever it is we, we share with God. Yeah. I just talked to, um, uh, Tish Harrison Warren. I don't know if you've heard of her. Mm-hmm. Um, she wrote a book recently called prayer in the night. And so mm-hmm. we were talking about kind of praying through the the difficult times. And one of the things I commented to her, I'll share it here too, because it, it fits. Um, wh- one of the kind of life events that triggered a lot of my just questions about God and faith was when my, my wife and I had a miscarriage mm-hmm. and I remember we were in the hospital and there were the hospital was packed. So they had us like out in the hallway and the doctor mm. came out and just like in a very matter of fact way, told us that we lost the baby and, you know, here's your checkout mm. papers and don't take this wow. medication. It was like, it was like, that was like the extent wow. of it. I remember like my wife broke down in the hallway and like I was holding her and I went out to the car. And when I got out to the car, I was like something in me just broke, like erupted. And I just, I just got in the car and I yelled at God and mm-hmm. I, I never yelled at God before. And I said, I can't believe, you know, you know, you, mm. that you would allow this to happen. And, you know, and I just went off, I was banging my steering wheel. I said, I can't believe this. And it was just a moment of raw honesty with God. But then as kind of the days rolled into weeks and into months, and I began to really kind of process the event and meditate on it, I, I began to have these visions in my mind of, of God with us in the hallway, like Jesus wow. there with us and like me holding my wife, but Jesus mm. holding me and holding my wife. And that image began to replace kind of the, the anger as I began to realize that, you know, God didn't cause it to happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe he didn't even allow it to happen, but whatever the case may be, why ever it happened, we weren't alone and he was there with us. And that became my prayer. And that turned into the, the raw honesty turned into a prayer of Thanksgiving 
over the course of days, weeks, and months. Well, thanks for, first of all, I'm sorry for your loss and, Thank and you. thanks for sharing that. But let me, if I could, um, let me just reflect two things yeah. um, on that. First of all, uh, I think that uh, the, the images that you had in prayer, um, you know, are one way that I talk about God of communicating with us, right? Not mm. everybody has those images and obviously it wasn't like seeing a vision in front sure. of you, yeah. but you know, images come up in prayer like that. And mm -hmm. I think People say, you know, how does God communicate with me? You know, I talk about in the book images and words and uh, feelings, emotions, desires, insights, all ways that people need to be attentive to. Not all the time it happens, mm -hmm. but to be attentive to that. But I would also say that, um, you know, your very beautiful story also reminds us that I think if you hadn't been honest with God, those, those experiences in prayer would have been harder to come by. Yeah. Because, you know, you had sort of, you, had, you were honest, you, were, you had sort of broken through that. And look, if you had said to yourself, I can't get angry at God, I can't be upset, you know, and people will tell you these sort of well-meaning things mm -hmm. like, you know, oh, um, you know, it's all part of God's plan or, and if you sort of frustrate that yeah. and aren't honest, it's harder to receive those other um, sort of uh, ways that God has of communicating with you. In other words, I feel like it kind of unblocked. Yeah. If you hadn't have expressed that, it would have really been a block in the relationship. And That's you might true. have really not been open because you might've thought, you know, I'm still angry at God. And why do I want to have some vision from a God who's punished me? You know what I mean? Right. So, so I think that's a beautiful story in it. And mm. I think it encapsulates the need for honesty in any relationship. Yeah. Including our so, relationship with God. That's so true. So I'll be honest with you and um, just to kind of switch gears mm. a little bit, and maybe you can respond to this, but sure. um, I haven't since, since then, like since that event in my life and since I began like this deconstructing process, whatever, I've been really confused about how to talk to God because like, I feel like mm -hmm. I'm, 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 I'm rethinking so much of what I was mm -hmm. taught and raised in the evangelical world. Mm -hmm. um, like a lot of times I, I pray on the go, like I'll, I'll talk mm -hmm. to God or imagine myself talking to God, sort of like you say in the book, I'll imagine what Jesus would say to me if he were next mm -hmm. to me, like that kind of thing. But when I identified as more evangelical, I'd have like actual prayer time on my calendar, you know, where I would like sit mm -hmm. down, make my way through my routine of offering praise and thanks, petitioning, go through my prayer list. But I feel like I've kind of given that up. And I now I talk to God, like I said, on the go, or I'll spend sometimes 30 minutes in the morning just in complete silence, where I'll just kind of go through a meditation of some sort, try to imagine myself being in God's presence, very mm -hmm. contemplative, I guess. Like, so my question is like, is that prayer or does prayer need to be more than that? Well, I, I would say prayer, I define it in the book as conscious conversation with God, right? Yeah. So, so look, on the one hand, it's like, again, it's like any relationship. Uh -huh. So um, for example, your wife, right? Um, yeah. uh, you would say to me, I would say something like, what's your, when do you communicate with your wife? Well, we're always communicating. We're with each other. We, you know, we go shopping, we're taking care of the kids. We're, sure. you know, whatever we do this, but which is important. That's really important. That kind of, uh, you know, sort of, I don't want to say on the fly, but you know, as, sure. as life is going on, if you said to me, um, but we never spend any one-on-one -on -one time together, hmm. like we never do that. I would say, gee, why not? And hmm. maybe the relationship can deepen. So I do think that the on the fly stuff is really important. Yeah. I also think that the intentional stuff is really necessary, you yeah. know, now you can do it in different ways. And I mean, I think just spending time in silence in God's presence, right. Mm -hmm. Which is a very sort of beautiful way of doing it is wonderful. 
It's funny you should say that because I have a lot of evangelical friends and a lot of them tell me, <laughs> I, I do, and a lot of them tell me about prayer, yeah. that they were raised, that it, it's mainly sort of talking at God, Yes, right? Which is fine, right? Yeah. I mean, that's part of prayer, speaking at God, but that it is, that is not as much of um, listening, you know, in terms of in the prayer or sort of a, a kind of conversation, which is interesting in terms of the, um, in terms of the tradition. Yeah. And so it might be an invitation to sort of listen um, more in, in your prayer. And what does that mean? Again, the emotions, insights, memories, desires, the stuff I talk about in the book. Yeah. Um, in addition to the, 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 the praise, right. Which is important. Right. Sure, but sure. again, it, I, I think this is why the relationship model is so helpful because if you say, if, if, if you and I went out to dinner and all I did was speak at you, no matter how wonderful, like, right. Oh, you're so this, you're so that, and thank you for this. And I need this and never really kind of listened. Right. Yeah. Or even, or even we're quiet together. You would say, Oh, it's an, an unusual kind of relationship. So it's, yeah. it's kind of the both end, but it sounds like what you're doing is great. You know? Yeah. Thank you. I think sometimes I think, you know, what you said about evangelicals is very interesting because mm -hmm. I feel like that was how I was raised was there was so much talking to God. And I had a professor mm -hmm. in seminary once who said to me something and he's like, you know, you, you talk, imagine like this, like you talk to God, you talk to God, you talk to God, but then you're done talking and like you get up and leave the room, you know? And it's like, and God's like, they're kind of like, hello, you know, I might have something to say as well. Like it's a two way conversation. So he really right. challenged us to sit and listen to what yeah. the spirit might want to say right. to us. And I think that for me, like now that I've want to call it like rebelled against that tradition or whatever mm -hmm. you want to call it, I feel like maybe sometimes I've swayed to the other end of the spectrum where I feel like I've talked to God so much in my yeah. life and yeah. I did very little listening that now I just want to listen to what yeah. God says. So well, I think it's okay. To, it's okay to listen to what God has to say, which right. is great. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, it's a balance, you know, in, yeah, in the I book, I talk it. about yeah. uh, the, the sort of four stages and these are not progression. These are just different places. We are at talking at God, talking with God, listening to God and being with God. Yeah. And those are, just, you know, and like you were saying, you know, the, the, the prayer of, of presence may just be being with God. And again, right. If you and your wife are taking a, a walk along the beach and you're not saying anything, mm -hmm. you know, would someone say this is a waste of time? No, it's it's just a different way of communicating. So, right. yeah, it, it was it was interesting to, to hear that from my evangelical friends. Also, the other mm -hmm. thing that and I, I don't want to sort of stereotype, but this is from several of them mm -hmm. who have said they they were raised in their particular churches, uh, sort of not trusting what goes on inside of them. Yes. Right. And so yes. their their challenge was to say that actually God can communicate with me interiorly. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I always say to people, look, you know, St. Paul says we're temples of the Holy Spirit. God dwells within us. And so to trust that, you know, God can, you know, be active in my personal prayer and that I could listen for that, um, yeah. which is another kind of a step forward um, yeah. you know, on the, in the spiritual life, I think. Yeah, there's a, I think, I think your point, there's a great, almost like distrust cultivated mm -hmm. of what goes on inside of us. Like mm -hmm. I can't trust, is that me or is that God? You know, is that, and then, and if it's me, then it's definitely wrong. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, you have to discern and I talk yeah. about ways, you know, not everything, look, I'm, I, I'm, I'm very blunt in the book. Not everything that pops into your head is a message from God, right? Uh, nor everything that happens outside of you. A friend of mine likes to say, which I think is very cutting and funny, um, you know, not every leaf that falls in front of you is a message from God, you know, right. yeah. but some things that do happen in your private prayer and that do happen in your lives, you know, are, you know, are sort of communications and messages from God that, you know, we don't want to overlook. Right? right. So, so yeah, so that's where Jesuits, we talk about discernment a lot. That's, and I talk about that in the book, how to kind of discern 
And generally, generally speaking, you know, good things that come up in your prayer that increase your love and charity, like your beautiful example, right, mm -hmm. are clearly from God. Mm -hmm. I mean, that image of God with you in the hallway, I always say to people, you would have to work really hard to convince me <laughs> that that is not God communicating with yeah, you. Yeah. Right. But by the same token, if you're, you know, uh, I always say if you're, if you're praying and the, the image of a hamburger comes up because you're hungry, right. that may not be some big, you know, message from God. So that's, right. that's where discernment comes in. And I think generally people, people can know, um, you know, with, with a little self-reflection, what's coming from God and what's coming from them. Definitely. Well, I would be okay if God liked hamburgers. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I think God does like hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so uh, here's a, here's a curveball for you. Uh, talk to me a little bit about rosary beads. Cause again, I was raised evangelical, so this is not part of my tradition yeah. at all. And I feel like this is kind of a stupid question, but I'm going to ask it not anyways. Like I've, I have my great, great grandfather's rosary beads. He came oh, over nice. from Europe with nothing but his mm -hmm. Bible um, and his beads. Mm -hmm. And I cherish those but mm -hmm. I'm not Catholic and I'm clueless of the, what to do with them, but I feel oddly drawn to them. Like sometimes in my quiet times, meditation, contemplation, like I'll just hold them and mm -hmm. kind of run them through my fingers or nice. because I think or pray, like it was almost used like a mantra or something like that, yeah. of like some kind of truth about God. But talk to me about the use of beads in prayer. Like I know Buddhists have uh, like mm -hmm. mala prayer beads, which mm -hmm. I have those as well. I have a little bit of everything, but what is the significance of rosary beads? And how might someone like myself, who's not Catholic, maybe begin to incorporate those into their prayers? Is that, is that even a thing for somebody who's not Catholic to do that? Um, you know, it's, it's a way of praying, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that non-Catholics like them. I, there, it's something nice to have, um, you know, something physical to kind mm -hmm. of uh, goad you to prayer, invite you to prayer. Sure. You know, for Catholics, the little beads, um, you say Hail Mary prayer mm. and the big beads, you say an Our Father. But, you know, for some people, it's it's almost a kind of mantra or a sort of background to their meditation. Mm. Different people use it different ways. I would use it whatever way you feel comfortable. I mean, not every, you know, Protestant or evangelical is into praying to Mary when what, just to be clear, you know, we're asking for her prayers. That's what we're asking for, sure, you know, we're asking sure. Mary to pray for us. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's something that people get confused. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm sure um, you hear that a lot. <laughs> I do. Um, so, you know, the same way you would ask for some, someone else in heaven to pray for you. I mean, yeah. you know, we ask for the prayers of the saints and people that have gone before us to pray for us. And so it's asking Mary for her prayers. Hmm. Um, and, you know, do it the way you like. I think if, if it's something that, you, I mean, seriously, if it is something that you just like to hold and kind of centers you and reminds you of, you know, your grandfather, mm. great, yeah. right? If you want to do it the more formal way where you learn the Hail Mary, that's great too. I, mm. I think um, even in the Catholic world, you know, I say to people, look, you can't say this is the only way for you to pray. Or if you yeah. don't pray the rosary as a Catholic, you're a bad Catholic, right? Or, mm -hmm. or conversely, if you do pray the rosary, you know, you're a bad evangelical. It's, right. it's basically, you know, whatever helps you get closest to God. So I'd say be, be free with it, be flexible with it. Yeah. I've, I had somebody one time tell me that like rosary beads, you know, if you use the rosary beads as a, as a Christian, as evangelical, that's like opening yourself up to like demonic forces. Not like, that's yeah, the I, stupidest I really thing ever. <laughs> it's like in my mind, I'm like, that's so stupid. I mean, unless you think that Jesus's mother is somehow <laughs> demonic, you know, which we don't, right. I mean, yeah, it, there's a lot of crazy talk out there. You know, the same, the same um, uh, critiques uh, happen for what's called centering prayer. Yes. Uh, which is, uh, you know, basically just, I mean, look, look, cut to the chase. It's imagining yourself in God's presence. That right. that's what centering prayer is. It's very wordless. 
And people say, oh, you know, it's, it's Buddhist. And no, I mean, you know, you're connecting with God, you're thinking about Jesus and right. uh, it, some of those critiques always, you know, surprise me, but look, you know, the day we're recording the, the gospel reading is all about Jesus. Even Jesus is accused of being in league with the devil. That's right. right? He heals the mute man. And I, right. I mean, it is an amazing, you know, if look, if even Jesus is going to be accused of that, then it's not surprising. We get accused of that from time to time. And you're in good company when you do, right? <laughs> you are definitely in good company. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So uh, last question for you, because I know we're getting close to our, our 30 minute mark, but talk to the person who feels uh, like stuck in their prayer life. Like maybe they're like me, they're deconstructing, they're rethinking what they believe about God. Like, what is your advice for somebody to get unstuck? Like they just sit down, they go to yeah. pray and they're just like blank. Okay. Well, the first thing is to say it happens to everybody. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you've not done anything wrong. God mm -hmm. is not mad at you or disappointed in you, or God is not withdrawn from you. It happens, yeah. right? It happens yeah. to me. People have prayer experiences where they're just dry for weeks and months on end. It's mm -hmm. okay. That's the first thing. Um, second of all, um, you know, try to look for things in your prayer that you might not have paid attention to. Yeah. So emotions, insights, memories, desires. I talk about this in the book, you know, because a lot of times it's people not knowing what's supposed to happen, right? Sure. Or what can happen. Um, the third thing would be uh, try to shake things up a little bit, mm -hmm. right? So if, if you've only been praying with, with the Bible or with the gospels, you know, try, try another way of praying, right? Mm -hmm. Try, try centering prayer or even, you know, even try the rosary, try something different. And I talk about those practices. Yeah. The third thing, you know, if it's really severe, um, one of the things I, I mentioned to people is, okay, where is God president in your daily life? Mm -hmm. Right. Because a lot of times, you know, they'll say something like my, my prayer, I, I'm not laughing at them. It's just mm -hmm. happens so often. And it happens to me too. You know, my prayer is so dry Yeah. and I'll say, okay, well, like, all right, your prayer has been dry. Nothing's happening. Oh, okay, fine. What's going on in your life? Oh my gosh. You know, I just had this amazing experience with my, my child. And, you know, he told me he loved me and it was so moving. And we both, I cried and I thought, well, <laughs> you know, like you got to pay attention to what's going on in your daily life too. And yeah. so Sometimes it's, it's, it's just a question of pointing out to them where God is active somewhere else. And that usually makes them feel less lonely, right? Yeah. That usually makes them feel less worried about, you know, focusing only on their private prayer, but all those things are very common and it's, yeah. it's, it's just part of the ups and downs of the spiritual life. I think that the one that hit me the hardest that you said is changing it up a little mm -hmm. bit, because I think for a while, like I would one of the things I was taught in seminary was to kind of pray in a way that like you pray through the gospels and you imagine yourself in the stories mm -hmm. of the gospels and kind mm -hmm. of place yourself as one of the the characters. I did that for a while and then it got dry. Yeah. And then I went to the Psalms because the Psalms are essentially prayers and I would just mm -hmm. kind of let them be my prayer. And then mm -hmm. like those would kind of like inspire me in different ways as well. So I think to your point, I think shaking it up a little bit is, is definitely helpful. Yeah. And, and I, um, I think that your experience is very common, which is, mm -hmm anyone who does something for a long time, it can get for whatever reason, just human nature, a little dry. Yeah. And we need to get, we need to sort of shake it up sometimes. And it, it that's okay. I'll tell you another um, uh, common thing. We can go a little over. Um, sure. A very common thing is when people will say, I have a list of people I pray for. Mm. And I, you know, a, a person came to me recently and she told me that this is what she does in her prayer. Um, she starts out with the daily gospel reading and imagines herself in the gospel, right? Yeah. Which is very Jesuit way of praying, um, what mm. you were just talking about. 
Um, and then she goes through the Psalms. You know, she has a Psalm that she reads every day. Yeah. Uh, and then she um, uh, prays for all these people that she knows, you know, who are sick or needy, which is what, and the list was getting really long. Yeah. And what had happened was the prayer started to feel like a burden to her. Yes. Like I have yeah. to do this, then I have to do that. And she was starting to, which is very common, starting to dread it. Yeah. It was becoming this awful thing that mm. she thought, oh my gosh, I have to sit down in the morning and go through this, you know, regime. Yep. Right. And, you know, I basically said to her, just let that go for the yeah. time being, just yeah. let it go. You know, I mean, I was her spiritual director and I just said, do something totally different. I said, what would you like to do? And she said, I'd like to just be quiet with God. And I said, there you go. Yeah. And it's fine. Yeah. You know, it's again, it's like that walk on the beach. You know, you can't be talking all the time. And yep. if you're with your wife, you know, going over lists of things to do, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's okay. So a lot of times people need to be relieved of that burden, right? Yeah. Yeah. I did that with my Bible for a while because I was the person who read his Bible every single morning, mm -hmm. like clockwork. And I had the prayer list and all the different things I would do. And it began to feel like a burden. Yeah. Then I would feel ashamed if I didn't mm -hmm. do it. And somebody said to me, similar to what you said to her was, well, just put it away for a little while, Yeah, you know, yeah, which and is, what, what do you want to do? And then I would start to like journal or do something like yeah. that. And like, that became something that helped me connect with God in a much different way. But then I went back to my Bible reading and my prayer time and different things like that. When I, when I felt like I really wanted to. Yeah. And it's, I think the key is like, that doesn't mean that, you know, for example, that people are listening, that no one should pray with the Bible or right. everyone should journal. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like you, or that everyone should no, it's just different points in your life. Um, you're seasons, you're open yeah. to different things. And and sometimes people really need to kind of shake things up a bit. I find sometimes I'll go on a I do an eight-day retreat every year um, mm. as a Jesuit. And um, you know, sometimes uh, the retreat director will give me like a poem mm. that'll just be, oh my gosh, this is so incredible. And you yeah. know, it's about God, it's some Christian poem, and I'll just be overwhelmed by how beautiful it is and, mm -hmm. and what's going on. Well, obviously I'm on retreating. God wants to kind of meet me in a different way, but it's because it's so new and it's so fresh yep. um, that it's just so beautiful. And I think it, it can kind of sort of shake the cobwebs out of our, our sort of, uh, you know, kind of daily prayer life that can be burdensome at times. So yeah. now that, but the point is that doesn't mean that for the rest of my life, I have to pray with this same poem. Exactly. Exactly. Right? It's just, it's just shaking things up a little bit. You know, yeah. Jesus liked to shake things up a bit. And I think, you know, so does God. <laughs> That's right. Well, James, we're just about um, out of time, but thank you so much. I could talk to you all day. Thanks for taking time for me. My pleasure. Thanks so much. And maybe we could do this again sometime. I'll be hitting I hope you up. So. All right, man. Take care. All right. Good to be with you. You too.
been around.